Spoiler alert. This podcast discusses episode seven of Westworld, season three. Caleb Nichols? He's one of these outliers. If we can find him, we might be able to stop her. What does she want with him? He's Dolores' plan. You mean he plays a part in your plan? No. Dolores was made with a poetic sensibility. She won't destroy humanity. He will. This is the brain reconditioning, katana sword wielding, future plotting fan show Westward, the official Westworld podcast from Sky Atlantic. I'm Laverne Comaloran, and coming up, Jamie East talks exclusively to Westworld's co production designer, Jonathan Carlos, about the iconic visuals that make the series so unique. When designing, I'm always looking for ways to incorporate immersive world building. Our team is simultaneously gifted the opportunity to recreate historical worlds that are dripping with opulence, detail. And joining me this week to run through more plot lines than Solomon, it's the brilliant comedian Subject You, Long, Josie. I mean, Josie Long, hi! Hello! It's nice to be here. Well, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I, uh, I'm very much as weird as everyone else at the moment. It is. It's a weird time. So probably a good moment to watch a weird show. We've been asking our guest, Josie, to sum up the episode they just watched in one sentence. Can you? What have you come up with? There is a god, but it's several French robot eggs. <laughs> enjoyable. Very, very enjoyable. Uh, so, Josie, this episode was called Past Porn. Now, I did some research, and as I'm sure you will already know, a past porn is a chess term, meaning a pawn with no opposing pawns on either its row or the neighbouring rows to stop it advancing. So what do you make of that title? I mean, who is the past pawn in this scenario? Well, I'm very pleased with that title because at the moment I'm obsessed with chess.com and my whole social life (laughs) is losing to teenagers around the world. And one of the reasons I think I lose so much is I didn't know that that was a thing thing. in chess. But I feel I understand it. Yeah. So I see that, like, Caleb was this pawn in the game, Mm. but now he knows what's going on. All the obstacles have gone mate straight up to the queen whatever that is exactly in this analogy speaking of Caleb after much speculation across the season in this episode we finally found out what really happened in his past after all we've been through how much enough my friend was killed So Caleb has been living a lie this whole time. Now, for the record, Josie, shall we just run through and establish which parts of his memories were real and which parts have been edited? So here are what we understand to be Caleb's true and false memories. Caleb was in the army in Crimea, but is still unknowingly a sort of soldier in the real world now. He had a partner from the army called Francis who died, but Francis did not die on deployment. Caleb was ordered to kill him back in LA. He thinks he's playing the Rico app to gain money and status in the real world, but actually Rico was devised by Chirac to keep the criminal population and the outliers under control. 
Blimey, that's a lot of information, isn't it? Yes, although I feel like everyone was very credulous for this Rico app. Yeah. Who's going to be like, yes, I'd love to commit crimes. Thank God there's an app. <laughs> I won't examine that critically. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you say that, Josie Long, but they've said that about plenty of apps in the past. And, <laughs> That's true. I've seen weirder stuff succeed on the internet, to be totally honest. Um, so from what we've discovered, I mean, this means that all of Caleb's memories could have been manipulated. A lot like the hosts, he's, he's not everything he seems. How do you feel about him now? What do you think of him now? I still feel very sympathetic. Yeah. For two reasons. Firstly, I very much trust an actor show to show. Right. So we know that in Breaking Bad, he was a lovable man. So now he's in Westworld. (laughs) We need to keep that trust. Okay. Right. So you're Um, just you're going on his CV essentially. The (laughs) look at this. Go on. Anthony Hopkins. Played Hannibal Lecter. Mm. Now I ask you, was he trustworthy <laughs> in the first series? Well, I mean, you have got a point there. <laughs> Thank you. You know, <laughs> and it, it, the plural of anecdote is not evidence, but but there we go. Um, shout out to the gamers this week as well. Previous episodes have been uh, like playing Red Dead Redemption or Grand Theft Auto, but this week was like a mission on Call of Duty or, or Watch Dogs. We had recon drones, we had self-guiding weapons, attack helicopters, even the landscape during the fight between Maeve and Dolores looked a bit like a Call of Duty map there. Are you into and enjoying these gamification references, Josie? Do you know, it is exciting for me uh, as somebody who doesn't play games right. to sort of get a bit of that so I can understand people under 20 years old. But I think if they really wanted to appeal to this demographic... To your demographic, yeah, what would they have to do? They could just make it more like chess.com. <laughs> They tried that. The whole episode is called Past Porn. Just for you. I'm saying, take it 2D, make it slow. Yeah, okay. (laughs) More seriously, I would say it is very exciting and thrilling how genre-wise it shifts over the series. Mm. So that one episode you're in this thriller and another episode you're in this kind of sad, sensitive relationship drama I think it's really impressive yeah yeah you never quite know what you're going to get next which is the joy of the the whole show isn't it now Caleb had helped to recall his real life and it came in the form of Rehoboam's predecessor Solomon an out-of-date schizophrenic brain ball just what he needed before Rehoboam Sirach and his brother created Solomon had the task of trying to organize an unruly world, but it ran so many projections, so many strategies, developed some anomalies. An insane AI. Great. So let's get this straight then. Solomon is the previous version of the system before Rehoboam, and the default voice of it is Chirac's brother, Jean May. If you deviate from this course, you will not achieve the desired outcome. Is Solomon actually insane and evil or is there more to its intentions, Josie Long? I'm going to be real with you. Mm. I didn't fully appreciate that there were two robot eggs. <laughs> I, I so the brain balls the for you egg. are just, the, they're the French robot eggs, right? Just to be what? clear. Yeah. You know, you see one well, I love French it. robot love egg, <laughs> you assume it's the same French robot <laughs> egg. Okay. It would be very exciting if the robot egg made by the outlier had outlier intentions and could battle 
the square robot egg. Yeah, right. I mean, it, you you kind of need a robot egg to take on a robot egg, you know. It, it's, <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, basic kind of art of war, isn't it? Um, <laughs> That's what it says in the art of war. Yeah, <laughs> in the robot egg section. I've never read that far in, but I'm glad to hear it confirmed. <laughs> Uh, Dolores said that Solomon's creator, Chirac's brother, was schizophrenic and that Solomon may have inherited some of its characteristics. So, as you say, Josie, presumably this makes Solomon an outlier too. Mm. It, you know, he's so, so whose side is he, it, going to be on? Oh, God. The problem is there's so many sides. Like, I trust Bernard, even though I haven't seen him in any other shows. <laughs> He just has... Don't watch Boardwalk Empire because you'll change your mind. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But to me, he has a kind humanity to him. A very soulful face, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Then obviously, Dolores, Maeve, Caleb, is he with Dolores? Is he not? There's just a lot of balls up in the air, robot (laughs) or otherwise. So Solomon has charted a new strategy for revolution. What do you think that is? And and can we trust his new plan? I would trust it more because I think everybody watching Westworld sort of would like to believe they'd be in the outliers category. Right, okay. Nobody watching is thinking, oh, yes, I'd be very predictable, me. I think I'd... (laughs) I'd be be compliant and carrying on. I'd just be getting on with it. Everyone's like, yeah, I'm unpredictable. I better be on that side. So I would like to put my trust in Solomon. Right, okay, yeah. Although I was very much team anti-humans <laughs> until this episode. Especially at the end of the last series and the beginning of this one. I was like, you guys get out there and you get rid of all of us <laughs> and you have a great time. You deserve it after what you've been through. And what changed your mind? The character of Caleb, it was helpful. And also, this series has been really focusing on the whole human beings trapped in, what's the word? Behaviour loops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it made me think, you know, I'm a human. We're not all bad. (laughs) We're not all bad. Um, Now, when the course for revolution had been charted, Dolores hit a button and that said engage. And then she and Maeve both collapsed. So Mm. what do you think happened in that moment? Well, I think it's very beautiful that they got engaged before they died. (laughs) My brain is sort of desperately trying to keep up so they're going into the egg. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess. perhaps to live happily there. Okay. So they've been absorbed into the, the French brain robot egg. Yeah. But the good French robot egg. Yeah. In behavior. Solomon, not Rehoboam, right? Yeah. Got you. So Bernard says at the end of the episode that Dolores isn't going to destroy humanity. Caleb is. We were all longing to see Dolores truly care for Caleb, to find love, find her soulmate, obviously. But it seems that Caleb was just another pawn in her game, Josie. Mm. Well, it's tricky because you look at Teddy and what she did in sort of changing him and then being like, I did it to make you tough enough. It's brutal. He was daft as a brush, though, to be fair, wasn't he? <laughs> he was just kind. He was sweet, wasn't he? Yeah. He was a bit of a teddy bear. And then, I mean, have we ever really seen true compassion from Dolores? Yeah, it's not really looking like a balanced sheet. It's not, of is kindness it? No. versus cruelty. No, she sort of loved her dad. <laughs> like, doesn't really weigh all those things out, does it? It's like the craze. <laughs> 
Sorry. Nice to his mum. One of those. Exactly. So we all love Westworld for the beautiful and iconic visuals seen in every building, every interior and every establishing shot. So we've got our very own visual icon, Jamie East, to dial up Westworld's co-production designer for an insight into the most stylish show on television. Westworld. Welcome to Westworld, Mr. Jonathan Carlos. Thank you for having me. Your co-production designer on episodes seven and eight this season. And up until that point, you were the supervising artist director on Westworld. Can you explain what exactly your responsibility is on the show now and then? Sure. As a supervising art director, I was really Howard Cummings' right-hand man. It was kind of my job to manage the design development and the construction team to create the physical environments and also help conceptualize the digital set extensions that our visual effects team brilliantly matured and executed. Amazing. In the latter part of the season, as co-production designer alongside Howard, for the last two episodes, I was able to start to bring some of my own design incorporations to the table. That was been an exciting moment for you absolutely to kind of get your stuff on the screen working on something like westworld you've got all the sci-fi the high tech it must be a dream job it truly is a dream i actually find it quite serendipitous that the first film i gained consciousness of the production designer role was jurassic park oh wow <laughs> i was obsessed with the film as a kid and uh, one christmas i was gifted the making of book and it kind of opened my eyes to this industry that catered to imagination and making the impossible possible which is Westworld. It's such a stylish show and it's, you know, each season has been underpinned by a very particular aesthetic feel. How important is the art style to the way that the drama is told in terms of mood and storytelling? It's absolutely paramount. In the design process, we have lengthy discussions regarding the color palette, the material use, architectural composition and space, and how these will relate to each character story arc, as well as the entire series arc. Our team is simultaneously gifted the opportunity to recreate historical worlds that are dripping with opulence and detail uh, and even sinistry. Did you work personally on the riot control robots and George, the uh, construction worker bot? Yeah, the robots that were designed this season were a lot of fun. In the design process, Jonah and Lisa value form following function. So they always had very specific ideas regarding the silhouettes and uh, animatics of each robot. Yeah. So the current day advancements of companies like Boston Dynamics, they also heavily influenced this development. Howard worked worked closely with concept illustrator Tang Lee to develop these. And then it was my role to help build the partial components or the proxy pieces that we'd incorporate onto our sets for actor interaction. And in past episode six, I had a ton of fun with the riot control mech assembly in the storage room. Oh my God, that was amazing. And the eventual punch through the wall in the Dallas hallway. That was like, again, little boy coming out dream. <laughs> exactly. Give me the polystyrene walls now. <laughs> I want to pin you down on something, if possible, Jonathan. Let's go for it. In this week's episode, episode seven, there's a sign that says proudly serving lab to slab, perfect real meat. <laughs> Is that a bit of subtle world building? Was that one of yours? <laughs> yes, that was actually one of my favorite Easter eggs to create. When designing, I'm always looking for ways to incorporate immersive world building. So whether that means planning a concept that will pay off in future episodes or looking back to previous episodes and furthering on an element that was introduced prior to do so. In this case, I wanted to play on the meat lab that Bernard was working in during episode one. Yeah. So viewers may have noticed that there were giant meat blades growing cloned in vitro cuts of meat. So this billboard actually calls back to that. Amazing. The environments with Stubbs and Bernard this season have actually been particularly fun because unlike the rich elite that the other storylines kind of circle around, these two are consciously trying to live off the grid. Yeah. So it allowed us to explore some more modest environments. So for example, the converted gas station becoming a charging station was fun world building. It kind of illustrated the restriction of fossil fuels to permit holders only, which a viewer might notice is on a sign. 
very subtle. Another Easter egg. Thank you very much. Yeah. And this, you know, it indicates a divide between the haves and the have-nots. So the idea that these gasoline-powered cars are collector items, which is why Caleb in episode one has to steal these vintage cars. And, you know, do you know how to drive this is a, a line he's given because only the rich and the elite have these collector cars. This particular environment was also kind of a view into the unglamorous, remote, lower middle class environments in contrast to the clean, rich ones. It reminded me a little bit aesthetically of District 9. Absolutely. Are there loads of Easter eggs that you've stuck in there that we haven't picked up on yet? Always. (laughs) I can assure you there are many more Easter eggs, especially hidden in advertisements, selected art that's on the set, subtle design details throughout. I can give you a few. In episode five, you may have noticed that after Dolores and Caleb and gang emerged from the subway system onto the streets of Santa Monica, the digital advertisements changed and the models were sort of melting away and exploding with color. So the introduction of vivid, wide ranges of color, something that we kind of tended to steer away from the past seasons of Westworld, are now making a debut. They're more visceral, more intense, kind of as truth and freedom ring. So moving forward into the finale, you'll see more of this, perhaps noticing the subtle reoccurrence of other design choices and graphics from past episodes from this season and prior. Right, oh wow. Perhaps another Easter egg in terms of design might be the inclusion of diagonals in environments where Dolores interacts with what we originally deemed to be potential prey. So Caleb, Hale, Man in Black. When you say diagonals, you literally mean visual diagonal lines Correct. in terms of the way that the set... Right, okay, wow. Yeah, so um, in the Mental Institute, you may have noticed there's entire concrete walls angled inwards in each of the spaces, kind of towards the Man in Black. So, you know, the idea of maybe diagonals are web-like and Dolores is creating a web around her prey. Oh my God. Oh my God, this is this is b- blowing my <laughs> mind, Jonathan. Well, you know, perhaps the angularity of these elements might shift in the finale. Maybe, I don't know. I guess if the physical shifts, maybe the mental shifts. So maybe our understanding of Dolores' intentions. Oh my goodness me. Listen listen to that Westward fan. (laughs) We've just got a sneaky thing to look out for. Jonathan, this has been one of my favourite chats ever. And thank you so much for joining us. And I can't wait to see what you've got in store for the finale and season four, whenever that will be. Uh, But don't leave it too long, please. Jonathan Carlos, thank you so much for joining Westward. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jamie. Fascinating stuff. Now, the sets and imagery this season have been stunning, haven't they, Josie? You said you enjoyed the way that the show's kind of visual representation is changing episode to episode. What have been your favourite set pieces? Oh, wow. Well, the cityscapes Mm. and the aspects of the design of vehicles um, and even guns, which... I'm not really a fan of. I was still like, wow, look at that weird gun. Um, I love how the production design just heightens things that little bit. Definitely. That kind of near future is so hard to get right and they do it so well, I think. This episode opened on a quick visit to Jakarta where Musashi slash Sato slash Dolores was confronted by the return of our old favourite, yes, Clementine. Hello, Musashi. Sato. Dolores. Whatever it is you are. You and Maeve have had some practice selling yourselves. But I thought you'd be more selective about a buyer. Maeve is not for sale, neither am I. I'm here because of you. And you alone. Your actions. Your plans. My plans are well underway. You should run back to your master and tell him he's too late. 
Now, I loved this opening scene so much, I have to say, Josie. I've been desperate for Clementine to come back. We debated after the last episode who we might get to see return to uh, join Maeve in this episode. We got Clementine and Hanario. Did you recognise Hanario straight away, the host with the snake tattoo on her face? No, I don't think I did. No. But it's partly because it's context, isn't it? I was like, well, here we are in the world of humans and I'm dealing with all of this <laughs> brain computers. I doubt there'll be anything else I have to think of. Oh, hello again. So you're back in Shogun World. She was the sort of armistice counterpart character, wasn't she, in Shogun World? Yes. So why do you think then that we got Hanario and not her Westworld counterpart, Armistice? Oh, wow. There must be some sort of Easter egg thing going on. There must be a reason. Well, I guess as well it's got to be due to her kind of connection with Musashi, you know, and the fact that she is after justice. It's a good driving force, isn't it? Because she says to Dolores that you've desecrated Musashi's image. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is definitely a storyline that I did not keep enough abreast of. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that makes so much sense. Another really big moment in this scene, although we didn't see much of her, was the return of the uncharred Charlotte Hale. Sato, it's me, Charlotte. Are you surprised? Not surprised. Happy. That means her plan is succeeding. Her plan is for us to die. But I have a new plan. I've decided to streamline operations. Is this the Dolores inside Charlotte Hale turning on Dolores Alpha, the kind of lead Dolores, or or is it the original Charlotte Hale, Josie? Who, who are we looking at here? Oh, God. Uh, look, all I'm saying is it could be either. <laughs> and is it even wise to try and guess at this stage? That's a good point, yeah. Because if we guess one of them and we're wrong, that's how we end up charred. She did look a bit of a mess the last time we saw her. That is a substantial <gasps> makeover that, that she's had. That was an absolutely astonishing shot. This sort of avenging person glowing with heat, then really thinking, this person is not a human being. She's a host, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So why let Musashi be killed in this episode, do you think? Couldn't Charlotte have tried to get him on her side? But maybe she feels she doesn't need him. You know, if you've been through that, you're more powerful. You don't need sort of a gang. Yeah. You got through the worst possible thing you could have got through. She might just be thinking that other people would slow her down at this Mm. point. I mean, it's happened before, hasn't it now? Exactly. So after the events of this week, can we assume that Maeve Clementine and Hanario are all on the same team, Josie, and that Charlotte Hale has joined them against Dolores? I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily put Charlotte on that team. I feel like that's too neat Mm. in terms of how her character has gone over the whole series the different places she's inhabited and the different kind of twists and turns her particular story has had. Mm -hmm. I feel like it would be so neat. Well, nothing's ever simple, is it, in Westworld? Now, we've seen the graphic that represents Rehoboam's algorithm plotting analysis throughout this season whenever it says divergence or anomaly detected. And this has also given us some clues to the real-world locations that we visited in the show. Here's Jamie to break down these locations and to plot the course to next week's finale. We have some questions. Then I will endeavour to have some answers. We are in the middle of a war. No one knows it's happened yet, or that it's already been lost. For the most part, humanity 
has been a miserable little band of thugs stumbling from one catastrophe to the next. Our history is like the ravings of a lunatic. Chaos. But we've changed that. For the first time, history has an author, a system. And up until very recently, the system was working. But there's someone we haven't accounted for. You? In the season three launch trailer, we were treated to a whole list of world-building information before we even knew what the system was. 12th of June 2019, divergence in Hong Kong, political unrest and wide-scale protests. 18th of December 2019, divergence in Washington DC, impeachment of the 45th President of the United States. 20th of May 2020, divergence in Indonesia, ecological collapse. 9th of December 2024, divergence in Buenos Aires, the assassination of the President-elect of the United States. 9th of October 2025, divergence in Paris, a thermonuclear incident. 19th of February 2037, divergence in Moscow, the start of the Second Russian Civil War. Then, in order to prevent all of this global chaos, history got an author. You're here in this moment, which means this is variant 47.136.x, in which both you, subject U454.1, Nichols, Caleb and I are still viable. On the 17th of April 2039, the system was initiated at an undisclosed location. It was called Solomon Build 0.06. As Shirak has explained, the system was created to be a future predicting machine, working to prevent global catastrophes and prevent any deviations from its all-powerful control. What is your objective here? You helped design the New World Order. I want your help to end it. And it was doing its job, controlling the population like cattle, right up until the 27th of February 2058, when a divergence occurred at an unknown location, a critical event. The arrival of a certain host called Dolores in the real world. I know everyone, in all variations, or at least I did, except for her. Her pathways are unknown. Throughout season three, whenever we've been seeing the system graphic at the start of a new scene, this has been an indication that a course-changing event has been taking place. And we've seen this graphic appear before scenes featuring Dolores, Chirac's brother Jean-Mi, and even Caleb. So where have these divergences been occurring across the world, and what might this mean for the season three finale? In episode five, Chirac's assistant said that an encrypted connection had been tracked between devices connecting across the world. Rehoboam analyzed the traffic coming out of the Yakuza facility. It found a connect between encrypted devices in Jakarta, Berlin, San Francisco and Los Angeles. This week we saw Mushashi in Jakarta, Charlotte Hale in San Francisco, Dolores Alpha in LA, but who or what is in Berlin? My wild guess? Well, at first I came to the conclusion that the European location could also hint at Chirac's real-world location. 
We've only ever seen him as a hologram and never in physical form. But what about the encrypted connection? Who is covering their tracks? Then I remembered that there's still one more host body left to be discovered from the five printed in Arnold's old house. So could Berlin lead us to discover the identity of this mystery host? If the season three finale takes us to Berlin, who or what will we discover there? Well, we're going to have to wait till episode eight to find out. Westward, the Westworld podcast from Sky Atlantic. Thank you, Jamie. If you at home have any theories, let us know about them on the Facebook group, where you can also find fan chat, theories and polls running all week for you to get involved in. Just go to Sky TV on Facebook. You'll find us there in the groups tab. Now, in episode six, Josie, Bernard and Stubbs found William at that mental health facility. And in this episode, we got a little more clarity on what's going on with him. He's actually dead. Or is he? You want to stop me, you're going to have to kill me. Looks like we won't have to. According to this, you're already dead. Josie, is this confirmation that William is physically dead and that the William that we're seeing is a host version or what? No way. He's been through so much. For him to be a host now, no way. He's so profoundly nihilistic now in his view of the world like everybody he loves he's ruined everything is bad yeah he wishes he was a host (laughs) too many feelings for this guy yeah yeah he doesn't get away with it that easily he has got more and more years of his miserable human existence to go like there's no way if he was a host he'd be nicer to bernard because he'd be more understanding (laughs) it's a really good point The facility that Caleb went to, where they found Solomon, was filled with the bodies of outliers that we mentioned earlier, frozen in tanks. Now, could that be the fate that was waiting for William? And he's actually still alive in stasis? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I'm going to go with that. That sounds perfectly reasonable. And it backs up what I said. Yes, 100%. (laughs) I have to say, in this episode, it was really nice to see Stubbs being more than a fighting machine beefcake for once, wasn't it? Showing off his techie skills. Yes, um, I like the fact that he's been rounded out a bit this series Mm. and been allowed to kind of... Yeah, become a bit more of a a friend, a bit more of a character. And also some really kind of funny moments. Him and Bernard are a a really enjoyable couple to watch on screen, I think. The odd couple. Yeah, I like them. Now, also in this episode, speaking of Stubbs and Bernard, William explained his good guy epiphany. He's going to wipe out all the hosts. I faced my demons. They whispered to me. You know what they said? There's only one stain I could not blot out. Only one original sin. And what's that? You. I helped build you and Dolores and the fucking lot of you. So, Josie, after this happened, why didn't Bernard and Stubbs just kill him? Because, as I've said, they don't want him to have it that easy. He's got to live another 40 years getting more and more eggy. (laughs) That's my new... Word. Literally yeah. eggy, metaphorically eggy, all of it. Yeah. Either that or they need him. But for what? Yeah, well, that's the question, isn't it? <laughs> all right, so let's do a quick rundown of where everyone is before we head into the finale. So Charlotte Hale, currently enraged and turning against Dolores. William, keen to wipe out all of the hosts. Dolores has had her arm blown off and seems to have shut herself down along with Maeve, who's been shut down alongside Dolores. Uh, Chirac's still alive somewhere, but where is he? We don't know. That man is always a hologram, isn't he? 
Mm. Bernard and Stubbs are still alive, but we don't know what part of Dolores' plan they're yet to play. Thank God Clementine is back, absolute badass, and Honorio, they're in the real world, ready to kick some more butt, and Caleb is following Solomon's new path to revolution. And at the end of the episode, we hear a Mission Impossible-style instruction message in Caleb's ear. Hello, Caleb. I have some instructions for you. So, Josie, who is this voice that we hear at the end of the show? Is it not going to be the French brother, the god of the use, ready to pep up the chaos? jean Me, the voice of Solomon, you think it's him? Taking on Rehoboam. 100%. Remember, Caleb gets on very well with robot helpers, doesn't he? Remember his buddy from work that he was sharing his lunch with when he was on the construction site? Oh, can I say? Yeah. I've really, really enjoyed the interaction between sort of the sophisticated host robots and then like the clunky old school Transformer style robots. Yeah. And I, I felt for them. Like there was one where Dolores just really beat one up and I was like, this isn't fair. He's trying his best. He's only made out of metal. He's not even got a proper head. Do you know, I'm with you. I was getting a hard time about it last week, Josie, but I've, I sort of identify quite strongly with those robots, you know, the more kind of work-a-day drudge droids, if you will. They're just trying to live their lives. Well, you never see them going on a killing spree, do you? If they can avoid killing someone, they'll just throw them into a swimming pool. God bless them. <laughs> now... Just before we hear the voice, Solomon starts to speak, but is cut off, Josie, as everything goes black. I must warn you. That's a pretty scary moment. What do you think he was going to warn Caleb about, Josie? What is there that he doesn't yet know? Surely what he knows is bad enough. Mm. So I feel like it can't have been big. It must have been like... I must warn you, your flies are under. <laughs> Just additional information before he goes on mission. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, well, fair play. And with that, I think I'm going to hit the engage button and send us both into power down mode. Thank you so much for your brilliant insight. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Josie Long. Thanks so much for having me. Westworld returns Monday at 9pm on Sky Atlantic for the finale of season three, Crisis Theory. Westword is a production by Snack & Co and Coex Studios for Sky Atlantic. I'm Lauren Laverne. Freeze all motor functions. Westword. The Westworld podcast from Sky Atlantic. <laughs>